0: Anyway, I had to go to County Lago, 30 days, and I got out, and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Hey, welcome back to Four for the Road, everybody. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna... Oh, okay. So that was the third intro, and that was the second one that, that Jim fucked up on
0: purpose. So, anyway,
1: we're just going to run it. Um so run anyways, it. So, what the fuck were we talking about today? We were talking about the, uh, we're, we're going to go, we're going to do the deep dive of the 1% history show. Um, the part two, if you will, from, uh, I believe it was episode 55. So, if you haven't listened to that one yet, please stop listening to this one. Go listen to 55, come back, you'll get caught up. Um, but we are going to go over some, some wave tops first, and then these two gentlemen are going to do the deep dive. Because they are much more knowledgeable on this other stuff than I am.
0: And no, I didn't want to no, you guys. False. No, no, false. No, no, no. no, you don't have to edit. this, oh, But we're going to let the readers know, the readers, the listeners know, this is your baby. You're going to dick it down. And Jim and I are just going to fluff you where appropriate. So you are you know? the big show.
1: I think this is actually going to be card called uh, 1% history, part two, colon, the fluffening. So anyways, <laughs> um,
0: if you were anything
1: like me coming up in this life, um, one of the big things while you were prospecting or while you were hanging around, while I were teaching you uh, motorcycle club history was the history of the 1% diamond. because that's, that's a very you know important piece of our culture. And again, if you were anything like me, you were told that it came from the Hollister riots in 1947. Um, and that it, it, it was pick a publication, whether it was time life, the San Francisco Chronicle, the LA times, there was a bunch of different, uh, publications that get quoted for this that they put out an article shortly after that saying that 1% of the people were fucked up and 99% of these people were actually okay. And then you'll hear the uh that the AMA put out a statement shortly after uh the Hollister riot in 1947 saying that well 99% of the bikers were doing okay. And that was correct, but the timing doesn't add up. So you uh, I mean, you kind of you kind of take it with a grain of salt. Right. Um, but, you know, I know Dave trying to give me some credit here, but he did all this research first. He gave me a starting point, pointed me in a direction and told me to go um, to basically confirm his findings. And what I found was that I was uh, given bad information. And that's OK. Right. Because when you teach something. For so long. And there's so many different people teaching the same thing. It's really easy for you to believe what you're teaching people without having to do research. Or if you trust somebody, um, like I trust Dave and Jim, they could tell me the sky is fucking purple. I don't have to look outside. I trust them. I know they're not going to lead me down a wrong path. The sky's just fucking purple now. So Dave put me in the right direction, says, All right, man, start from here. Go have fun. This is like keywords that I looked up and then he didn't help me out with shit after that. Right. He let me run my own course to see if we came to the same conclusion, which we did. And that was, well, that, uh,
0: I would, I would argue though that you found a lot of new stuff that I even, I didn't have. Um, and I think we ran up against some of the same items where nailing down an exact date is, is hard. You can get within, I would say a year you know, you can get within a 12-month time frame, um, but getting an exact date for, you know, a culture that even today historically doesn't give a shit about keeping time. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. They like like, um, I'll fuck it up. I don't remember. It's something much more wittier, but it's like, you know, why a biker doesn't wear a watch is because I'm on – X, Y, and Z club time, or something like that, you know. So, I mean, his dates are hard, and so you took some of the stuff that I found and then just tried to pin it down even more, which you found, like we all have done. It's fucking hard to do.
1: Yeah, and for the for the military folks out here, they'll they'll get this analogy. Dave gave me a four I, uh, Dave gave me a four digit grid, and I got us to an eight digit grid. All right, we're waiting on Jim to get us to even even closer than that.
0: Well, I thought Jim would get us a lot closer because he was there for Hollister, but. Right? (laughs) No, but my club
2: was. In fact, we won the uh, race. Oh, here we go. Uh... Check that out. We
0: have the trophy. Hey, uh, Dan, in your research, um, if we're starting, you know, hopefully for our listeners, they know the clubs did not start at Hollister. (laughs) What year was Hollister? 1947. And and so motorcycle clubs had been around for 47 years at that point. So people like, well, Yonkers wasn't established in 1900. No, it wasn't. But in England, there was a motorcycle club established in 1900. So that's why I say 47 years. But Dave, what was the name of that motorcycle club? Uh, it was really crazy. So they were formed in London, and it was the London Motorcycle Club. Hold on no, no your right. hands.
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll probably have to come back to this. But I could have swore I found something on like in the late 1890s.
0: Like, with, mean, bicycle, yeah, like bicycle, bicycle but, well that's where, they we're
1: all on motorized bicycles
0: anyways that's anyways where, you know, that's where the like Yonkers there. I mean George Ellis from from Yonkers MC was a famous bicycle rider uh racer before he decided to strap a motor on that bad boy and, and send it around the track too so yeah i mean the roots are were well as the point is the roots were well established before Hollister but i'm interested in, in your research i don't know if you brought it to the table it, it's hard to remember everybody um but as a quick recap some of the clubs that, that were at Hollister
1: uh man let's see uh I know the booze fighters motorcycle club was there there was this what's that fucking
2: Red Lightly young man
1: what's that <laughs> at the, it at the time the patch changed I think um Something with like a cat, right? Or something like cat that. Not a boot or something was there like that. Was a number? I think that? there was like a number
0: involved. Wait, wait. It. It Top 12, hatters. Top 12, hatters were there. Twelve. Uh, market Street Commandos yeah, were there. me out with that? Hey, all right. So we've got the Boost Fighters. We've got the, the yeah, Market yeah. Street Commandos. So, um, with
1: him. Yeah. Market Street Commandos, the Boost Fighters, uh, obviously the 13 Rebels. They were the champions that <laughs> oh, year. Oh, those
2: guys. You mean the guys that won the race. That's yes. what I meant by oh, okay, they were yeah. the
1: champions that year. I'm responsible for at least three of his gray hairs. Um, what the Yellow jackets, I don't know if we said that. Uh, the Bombers MC I believe was there or that was Riverside. anyways, no. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of clubs there. Um, now the town of Hollister, 1947 had between depending on which census report you read from which part of California um, had between two and 4, thousand people that lived in Hollister, right? And mostly, like, farmers, shop owners. This is, I think, small town vibes, right? And just lots of fucking kids working on these farms, right? It was a travesty. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> so um, 1947, the AMA uh, hosts the Gypsy Tour at the, at the racetrack there. And bikers knowing what bikers do. We're like, hey, we're going to go over there. We're going to fucking party. We're going to watch the races. We're going to have a great time. And the infrastructure in Hollister, California at the time was not fucking set up for the 5,000 additional human souls that were going to come to Hollister, California. Now, when you read the news articles and stuff like that that are available because we live in 2022 and news publications are actually the complete opposite of the motorcycle club. Scene, and they are very great at keeping track of old articles and times and all that stuff so when you go back through you read the articles talking about the infamous hollister riot and how they descended upon hollister on their fire belching death machines you'll read it and you're like wow this sounds like really fucking terrible things but then you read the police reports and it's just like so there was there's like a couple hundred dollars in damage uh a cop got punched in the face for startling somebody awake in a park, and then I think the worst part about it was there was some bathing suits left in the bottom of the pool. I mean, obviously there was street racing, there were some fights, you know, some bar fights and stuff like that. Um, well, and I think
0: you know. We've all kind of seen the famous stuff from Hollister. Um, you know, we know the story. Eddie Davenport's a very famous story for those that don't know. Um, Eddie Davenport was the biker with the beer bottles spread around the bike, but it was either that the bike wasn't his. He was, you know, he wasn't drunk. Um, obviously, we know today because his name was Eddie Davenport. The cut that he was wearing of the racing jacket for the um, oh gosh. Two, there you go. Tulare riders. Um we know it wasn't his because it literally said Dave <laughs> at the bottom of it. You know, Fucking there's a, Dave. there's a really great story about about Gus. Um Gus, um, oh shoot, it's his name. Is it Serpa? Serapa? Um I need I can't de, de serpa, De Serpa. There um you. but but Gus worked at the what, the movie theater behind um the famous picture where 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 Eddie Davenport is set up and and he tries to like he tries to ruin the picture by being in it because he knows that it's fake and it's set up. I mean, we're all kind of, you know, familiar with with those stories. We know that, you know, some of our very famous clubs of today, not name dropping or anything, but we know that, you know, the Galloping Goose were, were at Hollister. We know that some of the clubs like the, the pissed off bastards of Bloomington were there, you know, some of these clubs would go on to become uh, Hell's Angels chapters and things like that. We know that, that that's kind of like this history um, and this melting pot, but I think the stuff that Ken found that was just really super entertaining, as entertaining, right? In, informative, learning, whatever. As, as a history nerd, I, I say entertaining, but, but the I mean, whole yeah, of- it was
1: it was all of the above. Like it was a learning experience, and I enjoy learning about the culture, so it's entertaining um, and obviously informative because we learn something new about the culture. And I do want to just like take a second here. I know, I know you already said it, but and I said it in episode fifty five that people should be listening to before listening to this episode. But we are going to be dropping names of motorcycle clubs, right? But it's not meant with any disrespect, any malice. Um, this is just history, and we're reciting history based upon these, the years of research that we've done with this. And it's not like we're showing any affiliation with anybody or any support for anybody because it's not what we do here at For the Road. No, and you absolutely,
0: and all you're doing really to any club that's mentioned is paying homage to the fact that they were at an event that kind of has roots to a modern movement. And instead of being it for whatever wild-ass reason, if somebody was going to be pissed off about that being in a podcast, you shouldn't. You should feel honored to be a part of that heritage. As well, if that's a club that you belong to that that's mentioned in that history, if you're a supporter of that club, you should just shut the fuck up and, and just listen to the podcast. Because if you get mad, you're a fucking idiot. Um, but, you know, how much uh, I'd be interested, in, and I'm not trying to speed it up at all, Um but, you know, Jim's got Matlock, Matlock coming up. But how the much... How much carryover did you find from, like, some of the, you know, I think everybody that's followed for For the Road knows that the reporting was just astronomically fucking out of proportion and, you know, a license to print whatever you wanted and all this stuff. How much carryover did you find between Hollister and the Riverside Riot as far as, like, stuff that was used and, and misinterpreted? Well, so Hang, hang both, on. Uh, hang on. Oh, go ahead. If, go I could, on. if I could.
2: If I could. Because uh, I'm listening to this. As someone who doesn't really know, they just tuned into our podcast. So Ken, if you could just go real quick, take two minutes to go. We're gonna talk about this, Hollister. We're going to talk about okay. Riverside. Yeah, Sure. We're gonna talk sure. about Tecate. So people so, know we're just so
1: there's there's three main events that we're gonna be discussing today. Um, and then Dave and Jim are going to hopefully help me out with some of the smaller, extremely important. Important, But kind of peripheral events, right? Because it, it all ties in and it's all important. And when you, when you remove one thing from this machine, basically, it, it won't fucking work, right? Like nothing adds up. So uh, 1947, you have the Hollister Riot in Hollister, California. And you fast forward a year, you have the Riverside Riot with the air quotes in Riverside, California. And then you're going to fast forward some other years into 1960, 1961 to Tecate, Mexico, where you they don't really have a name for it. We just I just call it like the Tecate incident. Um, and these are, in my opinion, the three main events that led to the creation of the one percent diamond that we see today with Hollister being if you're looking at something like we're painting a picture, Hollister would be the frame right they built the frame they have the framework um and this is all media right this is all media figuring out what's working what sells right because hearing about a broken beer bottle and a couple of dudes that got in the fucking in a fight that's not going to sell newspapers but so you're telling me that almost
0: almost 80 years later 20 we're in 2022 newspaper sensationalized sensationalism is still alive and well Oh
1: yeah, if anything has got my oh. words. But See, we're gonna go so we're going to go to 1948. In? That's where we put the canvas on, right? We're going to put the canvas around the frame and then in the 60s that's when we're going to start brushing paint onto the canvas to actually create the 1% diamond. So, I'm sorry. Thank you for well, that, Jim. I yeah. appreciate you. So, I would go more would you- with the 1% moniker because the diamond is kind of a Well, later yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right so like it's all
0: so, yeah, we're, we're talking about the creation of the label of calling a biker a one percenter, not so much the patch. So just so people True. understand that we're talking about the label itself, not how somebody chose to to wear it.
1: Correct. So we're going to fast forward a year um, to Riverside, California, 1948, and it's literally copy paste. Right. It's the same shit happened just in a year later in a different city. Um, But there are very slight differences. Uh, One, there was actually some real property damage done this time. Uh, There was an awning that was destroyed of a shopkeeps, right? And he fucking called the sheriff. He said, I don't want none of your fucking deputies. You come down here and you fix this. Sheriff gets down there. He says, well, wait a minute. I've cited you. I personally have cited you three times. To get this fixed because the wood was rotting. The hardware wasn't the right hardware to uh, bolt all that material together. It was unsafe for the public. And a biker leaned on it. It knocked it over. And then part of that ended up actually injuring the biker a little bit. But the biker decided not to press charges or to seek any uh, to recover any damages.
0: You know, and if somebody wants to to kind of deep dive on Hollister and stuff like that, or Riverside, um, the you know, one thing that history has done a good job that includes dates and things like that um, is police reports. They're still available. Um, you know, they're published in newspapers that are still archives, and, and you can go back and look at them. You know, one of the things that I love about Riverside is you have the you have the newspapers using pictures of. Um, Oh, oh, shit. Boost Fighters. Um, Ken, any, any idea who they were? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. I want to say Fat Boy and somebody else. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, come on now. You got it. Um, I, I'm one short, but it, it not
1: meant to disrespect. So, so it was uh, Terry Forkner. Who was on the, on the back. back
0: of a – not her husband's bike, but no, Fat Boy's that, bike that, Vern's bike?
1: Fat Boy Nelson.
0: Yeah, and Vern was the other one. Vern was the other
1: one. Now, now. Yes, I could it was, be wrong on that, right? I'm a – I Could be wrong on, on whose bike, but I'm, I'm like 99% sure it was it was she was on the back of Nelson's bike.
0: Maybe, but the other person with them was uh Vern, Vern Autry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that picture was actually taken in, in Hollister and then used to represent wild ass bikers in Riverside and what I love and not related to this at all. So I don't want to rabbit hole it, but I've published an article a few times before where there's like a tabloid magazine, think of like the national Enquirer, that talks about like Congress and hookers and call girls and drugs and all this stuff is like the steamy thing. And like, I don't remember if it was the sixties or the seventies, but they actually use that exact same picture from Hollister of Carrie um, to represent these, these wild women in this article. So, so the newspapers say- haven't changed, but,
1: I just want to add to that real quick. I think I want to say it was in like the 50s. They used that photo too to warn. uh, um, There was some religious material used. um, That that picture was used in to warn against VD and uh, like open invite to like come to the church and stuff like that because bikers are scary. So they wanted to use that to scare people away from that and come to
0: church. So you can literally look at these police reports and like in Riverside, you know, the under sheriff, um, Sheriff Abbott, he talks about the fact that the media is you know making he was upset, not so much that he didn't really he wasn't defending the bikers, but he was upset that the media was making his town look bad. And he said, "Look, there was 46 arrests in town for this for this um, riot," air quotes. Yes, But six of them were already residents of my town. Um, And then, you know, the newspaper was like, hey, you know, somebody died. This is this is big news for, you know, for 1948 or whatever. But he's like, what they don't tell you is that was a car accident, like 100 miles outside of Riverside. Like that was not related to this event at
1: all. So let's dive on that for a second, too. So I found that car accident. That car accident. Yeah. So that car accident was traveling towards Riverside. The driver was drunk and it was a solo vehicle accident. So they're trying to blame a a DUI death on the fucking bikers there. Uh Hey, so
0: is this Jim? Maybe, you know, Jim, you're the the guru of racing and stuff like that. Um, First of all, I would love to know were the 13 rebels at Riverside to like defend a championship? And also, I know that it was a. 100 mile motorcycle race put on by the Riverside Bombers Motorcycle Club as part of the AMA events for 4th of July. Um, Is that something you guys had ever participated in before or or anything like that or after Riverside, et cetera? I just, I love the history of that old racing.
2: So I've been looking for it. And anytime I say anything about my club, it's because I have proof somewhere. You know, Uh, so I've never found anything that says we were at Riverside, but all over Hollister. I said we, we have the trophy or we have pictures of our guy um, Van Sickle with the trophy that he won. But I've never seen anything to do with Riverside.
0: And and for the for the for the folks like just getting into bikes or, or biker history of, of MC history and stuff like that. Jim, can you take us a little bit down the um you know I know we're not quite there yet for the wild one, but coming out of Hollister, you know, the wild one would be influenced by Hollister and and by Riverside kind of they so the making of the Wild One kind of smashed these two events together and then obviously took a liberal license from Hollywood but the two famous characters in there um you know come from well-established motorcycle clubs and real life characters Ken or, or Jim can you guys go into that a little bit
2: sure I'll take that
0: <clears throat> so
2: the Wild One movie is based on a short story called The Cyclist Raid which is were the mashup between Hollister and Riverside, and uh, I don't know if you ever read The Cyclist Rage, it's kind of boring, you know, you can find it online, but anyway, they made a movie, and uh, <clears throat> so Hollywood decided to create what they thought a, a biker should act like and kind of look like, and they kind of based that around a guy named Shell Thuett, which was uh, in my club, 13 Rebels. Uh, and so the producers and the writers and all, now we don't have 100% proof for all this. We have a lot of circumstantial evidence and we have some pictures that show, I've i got a picture that shows that you know, 13 Rebels were, were there with Lee Marvin, who was one of the stars. He, he played Chico, the other guy. So Brando played uh, basically a Hollywood version of It from 13 Rebels and Lee Marvin played a version of what Wino Willie from the Bruce fighter. Um, So Brando's character was highly molded by what Hollywood thought uh, the anti-hero leading man would look like. So he's got on this leather jacket. um, He's got this 13, uh, the Black Rebels Motorcycle Club on the back. Um, One of the prominent guys in my club pointed out that when you look at BRMC on the back of Brando's jacket. The B looks like a one and three. So it looks like 13 rebels. I don't know how much I'm buying that, but, <laughs> and so anyway, so, uh, I think both clubs were invited to be technical experts on there. Uh, I know Ted Evans was, was there. Uh, he did and who's, who's, of-
0: that, who's Ted Evans? Ted Evans
2: with 13 rebels. And, uh, and so he was, uh, um, did a lot of work with the motorcycles there. He helped uh, keep them running. Uh, And Wino Willie was supposed to come down and be a technical advisor, but he got in a little trouble on the way down and ended up in jail. (laughs) But uh, So the two clubs were there kind of advising what it was. And at this point, now this is conjecture on my part, but I think the script writers kind of heard the story of 13 Rebels and how the boost fighters came from the 13 Rebels and so Wino Willie, for those that don't know, was 13 Rebels first, and uh, he, he left the 13 Rebels to start the Boos Fighters in 46. And there's a little story about that. There, there was a little little mix up there between the two clubs, but it was n- no big deal. In fact, they were still friends. I got lots of pictures of the two clubs together in the, in the late 40s. Um, so Hollywood writers took that story that, you know, there was a breakup between the two, and they made it as part of this movie. So in the movie, you have the two clubs. You have the Black Rider Motorcycle Club, or Black Riders, whatever the fuck they were.
0: Black, Black Rebel. Black Rebel. Black
2: Levels. Black Levels. Thank you. Black Rebel's Motorcycle Club. My fucking Geritol's not kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> so you had them with Marlon Brando and the other, and here's a trivia question for you guys that if you ever want to win money, that guys think they know this movie. What was the name of the other motorcycle club? club? The Beatles. There you go. A spell just like the Beatles. Of the music group, so Hollywood kind of made this into a, a, a rivalry between the two, and in reality, it just wasn't there. So anyway, just to get right back to uh, to that one little tidbit about that, whereas Brando's character was really Hollywood and what they think he should look like, a biker should look like. Lee Marvin was kind of told, "Yeah, you're the other guy," and he was kind of left alone. So he started talking to all these bikers, you know. Well. I'm supposed to be this wine-willy guy. Well, what's wine willy like? So he kind of created this whole persona. So whenever you see Lee Marvin's character on screen, that's really what the 1940s, early 50s motorcycle guy looked like. That's
0: that's what a club guy was back in those days. And and not to go down another rabbit hole, but just for anybody that's listening and, and has time, you look at the history on the 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 racing shirt, the the, the sweater. That Lee Marvin character wears in that, um, so it's a black and white movie. Uh, but the shirt actually, his his kind of, um, I don't even know what you would call that pattern, um, but it takes on kind of a life of its own. And, and so if you get a chance, just go and research the history and, and how people have have tried to find that or where it was passed down to and things like that is is kind of a cool history of that um, as well. It is. It really is. So
1: and that movie was so influential and I and, and I believe that it, it ties in, right? Because if, if the community didn't grow, the moniker wouldn't exist. But um what how how did that affect how did that movie affect leather jacket sales, Jim?
0: <laughs> I know where you're going with Are you trying to piss me off?
2: Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, so that leather jacket that Brando's wearing. It was just a regular leather jacket that you could buy. But after that movie came out, it skyrocketed. You can buy that same leather jacket today. Sales went up like three hundred percent. I mean, it it was just outstanding the way that they sold this thing. Lots and lots of money for that company.
0: Well, and yep. and you know, I think it's hard for people to think about today, especially in the context of a black and white movie. But that movie was, I mean, that like your parents wouldn't allow you to go see it at the drive-in. I mean, it was banned in certain countries. It was banned in England. I mean, there was talk of trying to find people by the I forget what the term is for the movie association or movie making association of America and stuff like that. I don't know if it was the Screen Actors Guild or whatever back then. Motion Picture Association. Yeah, there you go. And and banning them and then all this stuff. It was a very controversial movie Um, at the time it was it was made. But, you know, kind of what Ken has found and and kind of started to point out here, you have these we're not taking away from the importance of the wild one, we're not taking away the importance of Hollister or the Riverside riot. We want you, to, we hope that it's making sense anyway, that it's, 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 it's this building crescendo. Did I say that right? <laughs> you know, leading to these different events. So you have Hollister, you have Riverside, you have the is raid book, but Jesus Christ, Jim, you have the cyclist raid by Harper's Ferry. You have the wild one. And now because going to talk about some more events, you're seeing a lot of the same characters. You're seeing the events. You're seeing sensationalized newspaper reports. That was Facebook. That was Instagram back then. And you're building this idea in John Q. Public's mind that these fucking bikers are out of control. That's all they do is just, is just kill and pillage and, and all this stuff. So that's the idea that's formulating here. They're cool also. They're out of control and they're <laughs> cool.
2: And that's what scared the establishment. That's why that movie was banned because it made the bad guys supposedly the bad guys look cool.
0: Yeah,
1: All right, Ken, really Where we at now. So, we're going to fast forward to to KATE unless you want to talk about uh and I mean you want to talk about um any okay. of those peripheral events that we kind of that I kind of fucking like blew right the fuck over in the (laughs) last.
0: No, I don't think that you that you blew over them or anything like that. Um, You know, like I said, I think we've already established to anybody that's listening that you know, we're trying to build you kind of a rough background idea with more details and as we get going and I think after we finish giving you the idea of boom here's the birth of the fucking moniker. Now people have a 1% label to give themselves. Now you start looking at all the cool things that kind of spin out the iconic characters, the runs, all this stuff. Not that there's not iconic characters and runs and stuff like that beforehand, but really right now we're giving you kind of like to get to the moniker, we're skipping over some stuff to get to this moniker. And so, you know, Ken's going to start just- talking about Death Valley runs. He's going to start talking about Takate. Like these are events that were already going on, just like Hollister was already going on and things like that. No, you're yeah.
1: going to start talking about the Death Valley run.
0: Well, you know, and so the point is, these are just runs that people went to because they were fun shit. You could get fucked up. You could do drugs. You could get drunk. You could race. You could talk about bikes, like whatever your, there might've been girls. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever, whatever your thing was as the same reason that people go to motorcycle events today. So it's not like there was a Tecate one and only time. It's not like there was a DVR run one and only time. So that's kind of the point I hope people get as, as Ken goes, goes forward. These are building the outlaw image. It's building the outlaw culture. There you go. Perfect. So, um, in
1: 1960, in October, there was another AMA Gypsy Tour hosted by the Mexican town of Tecate, Mexico, right? Um, but what's important to know is that a few months prior, I believe it was June, 1960, um, The Hells Angels and the the Satan Slaves um, were attending an event in Santa Clarita. And some of the civilians were just fucking, I mean, they were drunk too, right? And they were just being kind of fucking disrespectful and fucking, you know, poking fun at like, oh, well, there's like four dudes with patches on here, and there's like a million fucking civilians. And some of these guys thought that the other civilians would have their back, and fucking lo and behold, they did not. Um, But you know what? You fucking run your mouth to somebody in a fucking club and call them all sorts of fucking names and you're being disrespectful. It's not outside the realm of possibility. You get punched in the fucking mouth. And that may have happened um, to a couple of people a couple of times. And they were specifically told, hey, you cannot come to the races. Do not come to the races. Like, fucking, you're done, right? Uh, Well, they fucking showed up anyway because... Where there's a party, you will find them. So, the big three clubs that go down to Takate in 1960 are the Hell's Angels, Stray Satans, and the Satan Slaves, right? Now, it's important to know this because these three clubs have. Well, the Gooses yeah. were there too. Yeah, yeah. Goose, the goose, goose, are there too. goose, the goose were there, goose. there too. Uh, but, like, the- these clubs are fucking tight, right? So tight, you know, excluding the Goose, so tight that eventually they become one club. Right. Uh, two of those other clubs end up patching over. I'll let you fucking take a guess which, which two uh, chose to go that route. So we get to Takate and it's a fucking mess. Right. There are so many fucking people there. Um, like the racers, they're, they're, they were, they, the AMA expected some of these uh, racers not to show up. So they let other people uh, register. And too many racers. Showed up. They couldn't. Like, they were going to have to split the race up. And they were trying to figure out how to do all that. So, anyways, um, you know, they just started camping. The the bikers just started camping, having a good time, having some drinks. Um, and then I will say this one got, got fucking out of hand, right? Um, a member of one of those clubs was arrested and thrown in jail. And then maybe, allegedly, part of the town caught fire. That happened to have the jail house in it, Um, so the guards would run out, so the brothers could go in there. They could snatch their brother up, and they can all get out of there.
2: So this is a one-street town. You got to make sure that.
1: that Yeah, this is an itty-bitty town, right? And then um, their their national guard was mobilized, and citizens were coming out with like with shovels and rakes and stuff like that to try to like quote unquote defend their homes and shit. Um. And it was, I mean, it was just a fucking mess. And then the bikers left. Right. They go back to, they go back to California. And then when police chief Jesus Huerta was interviewed, he, um, in my opinion, unwittingly uh, gave them the moniker. He said, no, it was just 1% of the bikers that were causing the problem. It, it wasn't all of them. It wasn't all the Americans. It was just 1% of them. Um, but I also want to read this out. This is from, um, as Toast the Ghost says it, Tom Fugel. Um, this is his handwriting. take that
2: back right now.
1: <laughs> so Tom Fugel wrote this. Um, so again, don't fucking kill me. I'm just quoting Tom. This is the 1960s. Some motorcycle races were held in Tacate, Mexico. Some problems or disagreements came up and part of the town caught fire. A newspaper later reported that only 1% of the motorcyclists claimed the trouble, which close. Um, it was it was police chief who only blamed one of them, uh, 1% of them. Um, almost in quotes as a joke, the 1% group was formed by the clubs that were there. Now, this is where we bring the galloping goose back in for for that. uh for that, right? Uh, in the summer of 1962, when the club—he's speaking about El Forastero, um when the club was started, the one percent was used as part of the original El Forastero patch. This remains the same today. In 1965, Tiny, Tom, and Pigleg Dave went to get. Ca- everybody has a fucking Dave. Does anybody else like? Everybody has a fucking Dave. Anyway, uh, Pigleg Dave went to California to meet up with the Hell's Angels and the Satan Slaves. The El Farraza Motorcycle Club was then officially accepted into the One percenter organization. Inter-club relationships based upon the One Percenters do not exist now.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, mean, uh, and what he was
2: talking about, though, for what he was talking about, because so they have Takate. They all come back and they're all sitting around. The guys over there said, you know, only one percent of motorcycles could have done what we did, and. Were so cool. So they started a club
0: within clubs, the 1% club. So here's where I differ just a little bit, just slightly. I think that you are, your are right, So if you ever had a kid right now, the 1% kid is crowning in that vagina. Okay. After it's a And now they have a label. Now they have an idea before they were just a few ruffians, maybe they were outlaws. I'm going to I would argue that the outlaw title moniker whatever is already born. But yeah. we're about to add a percentage to it and I think it's 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 here. I'm an outlaw I think, presenter. I think the final push in labor is the DVR run in 61 which would have been not a complete full year cuz nobody goes to fucking Death Valley in the summertime. No. It would have not been a complete full year after Takate. where for anybody that's a nerd, you've seen those very famous photographs of like the road um uh, maybe Hell's Angels, of course. I think some Satan slaves or, or some stray Satan. Don't quote me there. I'm sorry. Um, getting pictures by, by Hal Goldstein on the way to this run. That's like the very famous ones where you see the guy with a camera set up and these old bikes coming in and, and things yeah, like that. Not the, not, not the same ones for, for Time Life. Uh, before the DVR run and stuff like that. So I think right there, that's when these guys finally get together. So, yes, you have a moniker now. Now you have these most, not all, most of these kind of same clubs or same type of one percenters going on this DVR run and stuff like that. They're having shenanigans at the DVR run. There, to me, is the idea now that, hey, let's get a, let's get everybody together. Let's get all these accepted clubs, air quotes, together for a meeting, and let's – Let's be this 1% brotherhood that that is formed. I think that's the final kick out in the, in the delivery room.
1: Yeah, um, so the DVR it, is the shoulders passing through the labia.
0: Yeah, I would yeah. agree
1: with that. I, I, I could not agree more. And, so I didn't I mean, find a lot of information on the DVR, so that's why I didn't really want to speak on it because I'm much less knowledgeable on that than you are.
0: And, and again, that's not set in stone. I'm not coming down from um, where did Moses come from, Mount Sinai? I'm not coming from, from Mount Sinai. Um, you know, that is just uh, to me that makes sense, that aligns well. Um, you know, there's verified pictures from the 50s of very early um straight Satan's um um Hells Angels, you know, things not wearing a one percent label, then right around 1960, 1961, you start to see the square patch. Um well, you some, see the one percent just by itself or-, or you just see the one percent by itself and things like that. So so for me, I think between 1960 and 1961. That's when it explodes. It comes out of the vagina. Boom. You have a label and a monocure um, for yep. the 1%. And so I think to summarize for folks, you're going from Hollister. I mean, really going from world war two, this pent up aggression, surplus of bikes, looking forward to racing and getting drunk and not being dead, going back to stuff, you know, the Salinas ramblers that put on Hollister have done this race before Um, you know, you're looking at the club from Riverside that had put on a race before, and it's just, you know, they're not ready for the amount of people that are now into bikes. You have a very different society than we have today, as far as what was kind of outlandish and what was scary to the general John Q public. You have all of this stuff. Then you have these, these, the way they look, I mean, they, they, they wanted to look offensive. It's no secret that that's where the things like Nazi insignia came from and stuff like that, because they could pick up a cheap belt because they could scare people with it. That's where the outlaw kiss comes from. It kept people away from you. And so I think you, you just, you have this snowball effect from Hollister from Riverside from Takate, from DVR, you know, you have some very famous paintings that come from, from the Takate run and things like that. I mean, I think it's all just this, this snowball. that's rolling downhill and boom. Now you've got a label that you can going to sign it. And, and to Jim, like Jim talked about, painting Black Rebel Motorcycle Club on your leather jacket became popular. Um, you know, you know, I, I want people to understand. you know, again, not to nothing about clubs is disrespectful here, but like if you don't have the Internet, imagine you don't have the Internet, you don't really have TV, you have like radio and newspaper. All that's going to get kind of glamorized in the movies and, and, and the real people would go, people would go to the movies and watch short reels of like news. And that's how you got like up-to-date news. That is going to show you California. (laughs) That is going to show you the famous clubs in California. So for the Midwest, like, you know, they're starting to get the wild one and they're starting to get stuff like that. Like if you look at Danny Lloyd's book, again, not dropping names here, but some very early patches of the outlaws are stitched in the very are painted in the very same um, style as the Black River Motorcycle Club. Because we're talking, you know, the, the early 1950s, the Wild One came out and Jim, when did the Wild One come out? 53? I couldn't hear you, what? When did the Wild One come out? 52, 53? <laughs> so at that point, you're going from the McCook Outlaws, they're seeing the Wild One and they start to paint a style like that for their own club. They didn't They didn't copy the Black, but they, they like that style, that leather jacket. And All of a sudden they start to paint outlaws on the back of, of their jacket. So you're seeing this effect in the Midwest. You know, Hollywood, California, the beaches, the glitz, the girls, it you know, it gets the it gets the press. But this was coming into the Midwest and influencing it. And so we stay in the Midwest, and, and like Ken hit on, you look at, at Tom. Tom, his good friend Tiny, who grew up with you know in in uh, in Iowa, he leaves for the big city in California, comes back telling Tom all these stories about about bikers and Tom's into motorcycles at this point. Right. And, and he's looking for something more and tiny comes back and tells him about these things like motorcycle clubs. And that's what they want to do. You know, tiny, tiny was a, um, Ken, what was he? He was a straight Satan. Um, Um, I believe he was a Satan slave. slave. He was a Satan slave. He wanted to, with Tom start a chapter of the Satan slaves in Iowa. And they couldn't do it for whatever reason. They couldn't do it. It And it was a California club. That's why. And I'll tell you what, again, not talking okay. shit, but but thank God that he couldn't, because we wouldn't have maybe we wouldn't have um, you know El Forastero with without that, without that happening of events. Maybe we don't have the El Forestero. And then Tiny would decide that Iowa in the winter sucks. <laughs> and, and he he decides to go back to California and he becomes a very influential and well-known health angel. I mean, just the the, the stories. Um there's so many stories like that, you know, that Tom. The relationship that builds between the Galloping Goose and the El Forestero—they can tell, but but there's an amazing story there. You know, when you hear about the goose going to this one percent, you know, Brotherhood of Clubs meeting and saying, you know, there's oh, a very, famous, oh, the, the very, you know, a very famous story from Mexican Ed is, we're not one percent of anything. You know, we're well, I'm going to fuck it up, Jim. What was it? So they asked Mexican Ed
2: if the Galloping Gooses were going to be a part of this one percent kind of club. And Mexican Ed who is the president of the Southern California um, Galloping Goose said, you know, the Galloping Goose aren't 1% of anything. We are
0: 100% motherfuckers. There you go. There you go. And so, you know, that's a great story. And then we think about Ed Roth. Ed Roth, you know, who would kind of be one not, – not the first, but he would be part of kind of like this this brainstorm to create what would become the first support church. Now, that went in a wild direction, and that's a story for somebody else to, t- to tell. Um, but, you know, but then he had trading cards. Could you imagine today having fucking trading cards uh, of – he had presidents, presidents of major 1% clubs that you could buy in, in, in a magazine. Um, if they yeah. don't
1: sell Drifter as a holographic, I'm going to be.
0: <laughs> you know, there was there was um, you could buy patches out of the back of, of his of his magazine, you know, out of the back of, of Chopper's magazine. And one of them was the American Outlaw Association. Now, he didn't mean that to be the club from the Midwest. But could you imagine selling anything that was even close to that today? Uh, yeah, it's a different one. Right. it was it was just it was crazy just the difference and there's so many stories like that you look at um again if you read Danny Lloyd's book and some of the characters in there and and a famous one is is Cal is a Chicago outlaw but you know his brother Don was a a a uh, a hells angel in California and before Cal moved to the Midwest he was uh straight satan and then he was a hell I mean there's just this mix of guys and these these figures today that that we think of as just kind of so influential and and legendary and how they intertwine and and all of this comes from you know before Hollister too but but out of Hollister
2: so so to get back yeah I just want to point out a few things you were talking about um you know if you're some Midwestern guy and how do you find out about these these clubs that are going on in Southern California and all that because that's where I was born, Southern California. <clears throat> At that time, just like you said, you didn't have internet. You didn't have all the things. All you had was your local newspaper that only covered local stuff, and then they had one page for the international stuff. They're certainly not going to talk about motorcycle club. And then you had movies like The Wild One. So that was that was the end and beginning of your whole motorcycle experience. So that's how these things spread. There's a great example that took place in England, and this is in the later '60s. You had all these clubs popping up using the name Hells Angels, only because they had seen the movies. They didn't know any Hells Angels, you know, but they thought it was cool. Now, the Hells Angels went over there and straightened all that out, and a lot of those those guys became legitimate Hells Angels. But just like you were saying, you you had no idea about any of this stuff that was going outside of your town. So you saw these things, like these movies, and you read these uh, things like The Cyclist Raid, and that was it. So Hollywood really had a big hand in in shaping all of this, and so when these guys created this whole one percent club, you know they kind of looked to themselves. You know we created all this. This is this is all about us, and that they created this whole one percent club within a club thing.
0: And and again, uh, yeah, I can't. I think just because you know most of us are still active in clubs or um, hanging around clubs and majoring clubs and things like that. And four for the road has so many broad representations of different clubs. None of this is meant to be interpreted as law for a certain club. We are everything that we have said, you can find yourself on Google. Um, for instance, there is a really great, I encourage you to watch it, Google it, YouTube it, BBC documentary, British, not a big black cock, but the British broadcasting company, um, with the English, with the English Hells Angels. Yeah, the and, 100. London sorry, and, and it talks about is it the same thing London, English England no, yeah, but okay. one of many, but London was the big important. Part. okay so there's a documentary, and in it, like to Jim's point, they talk about how they just started calling themselves Hell's Angels, because they saw it on the TV when it finally when the, the um, when the wild one and this kind of stuff finally came to to London because it was banned for a long time in in Europe for like what seven years or eight years or something like that, they couldn't show yeah. it.: Yes. Yeah. So it
2: came on 53, but they couldn't show it in England in a public house until the late 60s. I think 67. I'm not so sure. imagine
0: you're a guy on a motorcycle. This banned movie comes to your town. You're hearing these stories. It's been years since that movie came out. So think about all the stories that are probably being published in newspapers and National Enquirer type shit. And so they started – the Hell's Angels, and then in the documentary, he the, the 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 club talks about how they they actually started petitioning California to become a real club and all of this stuff, and then so they did do it legitimate, and, and they are very legitimate, but they just started that shit. Like we're fuck it, we're gonna call ourselves the Hell's Angels. I mean, the the, the difference in times and the sixty years that have gone by since then is just is wild. But yeah, so that uh, I think that about sums it up. So I think you did a great job on your solo episode. Um, Do you think this – oh, I got a trick question. Not a trick question. Trivia question for you. When was the 99% first published in a magazine? And what magazine was it?
1: When your mother wrote it. Um, That was going to be (laughs) – god, it's either the October, December 62 issue of the uh, AMA magazine, and it was 99%. And I believe the quote goes something like, 99% Ninety-nine percent of motorcyclists bring credit upon the sport.
0: Bravo! Close. It was nineteen sixty-one. That's
1: what I said. Nineteen sixty-one.
0: You said sixty-two. Play it back, baby. Play it back. So um, fact, I can't
1: it play it back, and that's going was,
0: in the episode. I don't give a fuck. It was part of their um, we're not, best. We're not forward. experts. It was part of their we're best not. wheel forward campaign, and to put the AMA's best wheel forward, you as part of the 1% trash that they thought you were, were not allowed to be a part of that. So that's why they had the best wheel forward. And that is why they published 99% of motorcycles are not dickheads. So So there you go.
1: My worst wheel forward. How about that, AMA?
0: Oh, that would have been good. Back in the day to have a worst wheel forward campaign. Somebody's going to make that a patch. Somebody's going to make that a patch. That's the next Black sales t-shirt. Oh, Uh,
2: It'll be an inside joke. Got I'm, I'm gonna sell,
1: I'm gonna trademark put your worst wheel forward and I'm gonna sell it to Jace. So what about like air camp out, too?
0: What about like, like the W, like a WWC with like a tire or something like that? The, the worst wheel crew or something like that? I think there's a thing there. There's something play with it. There's something there. We're,
1: worst wheel backwards.
0: So, so uh, before we end though, I have a question. If you were getting ready to wrap up, I do have a question. So, we've not even scratched the surface. I mean, you talk about. Uh, you know, you talk about Tiny and Tom, you, you know, you hit, you know, obviously the angels and the legendary characters there. We talk about Takate and you talk about, um, you know, the paintings that have been done, David Mann, you talk about the Galloping Goose and, and the famous paintings by John Altoon for, for the Backpatch and all of these names that, that come together. We talked even in the beginning, um, you know, we talked about George Ellers and, and Yonkers Motorcycle Club and and, and everything. Do you have to let 60 years go by to realize that you are in the presence of history changing events in the motorcycle club world, or do we have figures today? And, and no disrespect here, but I'm not counting Sonny in that. I know he recently passed and things like that, but to me, he's an influential figure from the the sixties and the seventies, et cetera. In the 2010s, the 20th, 2020s, whatever, and, and forward, do you think we'll recognize or that we do recognize influential figures that, that are MC community?
1: So I That's have met question. people that have never heard of this show that know Drifter. You have not. I swear. I believe, I believe
0: 100%.
1: 100%. I know people who I've had to inform them about Far For The Road who have heard of you. I believe it. So, so that do with that information what you will. But no, I believe, um, unless it's like some I mean, dude, it's gotta be some like nine eleven shit to happen for us to be like, Oh, this is history in the making right here. Um, no, I don't think I don't think we're gonna know. I think it's wow, that's be a really
0: good. that's a really odd reference point for yeah, <laughs> I think, I think what'll happen.
2: I think what'll happen is in the future. Somebody was doing research, and this person will be well known, and they'll, they'll do a big paper, a big book, or something, and they'll mention somebody from our time period, and then that person will be investigated by other people, and then next thing you know, that's the Mexican Ed of our time, or that's the yeah. Sonny Barger of our time.
0: Are our clubs too closed off and too secretive and too uncooperative nowadays to have that kind of not that kind of character? Because okay, yes. let's again the tinies, the Toms, the, the, the Mexican, ads, you know, all of these, even Sonny himself, these were names that every club knew and, and they're just, Oh my God, you're talking about a, you know, I, I don't want to overstress the fact, you're talking about like a one fiftieth of the the big names and the info that people knew back in the day, you know, are clubs capable of doing that again today? I'm with Ken. I don't know that they are. I think they're too, they're too closed off. So actually,
1: so, man, I don't know. I'm kind of wishy-washy on this one because on one hand, I believe so, yes. And a lot of it has to do with social media. And it happens when one guy in a club gets kind of out of pocket and then that causes problems for that club. Even though he may or may not have been spouting off of the mouth, saying shit that the club doesn't necessarily agree with, now that's where a policy comes in, right? Saying, hey, look, that's it. Fucking social media's is done. Whatever, right? But they didn't so, have social media. True. However, okay. So you're talking about like just without without the internet, even in 2022.
0: Just among clubs, do we have so, influential figures that we will recognize as absolutely. influential figures?
1: I think absolutely.
0: Okay.
1: I think absolutely.
0: Because Who are those? No, I'm just kidding. Has, don't 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 name John. Um,
1: Jimothy Drifter from the 13. You guys Nobel need to Brothers stop that Club.
0: shit because I'm not buying it.
1: Um, you know. So actually, I would like to go back a little bit. Okay. And and
2: one thing we didn't touch on is that like at the beginning with that. of this whole easy, easy point, easy. This whole thing when it started, this whole one percent club within a club kind of thing, this organization, at that time only a one percenter could make a one percenter. And you still see remnants of that today. There are some clubs that the club is not a one percent club, some of the individuals are. So not everybody in that club is a one percenter. So that's really how it was. A, Basically, a diamond
1: can make a diamond.
2: Although well, this is pre-diamond, but
1: that's how it worked. So, hey, Jimbo, before we get to going, um, you know, you said you you got something else that you wanted to bring up. So let's let's do that because my dinner's on the table. Yeah, I just wanted
2: to talk real quick about how this whole outlaw thing got started before the one percenter. I'm talking about right after World War II. Okay. So whenever these GIs came back after World War II, the whole country was saying, "Okay, great job, guys. You you know you." had this great war and you beat Nazis and good job. Now get back to normal, go back to your
1: nine to five job,
2: go have kids, get back to your houses and be normal again.
1: And Jim knows it, this from personal experience. He was there. Yeah. Never <laughs> been normal. in the 1940s. So
2: how can you tell that to these guys that have seen some, the worst atrocities ever, you know, they come back, they got to blow this off, man. They got to get, together so they start gravitating toward each other and that's where you get this whole a little wild one mentality going on you know they're going to drink a little harder they're going to ride a little harder they're going to be with guys that understand what they all went through and i think that's really the very beginning before hollister before that i think that's the beginning of this whole what we're talking about on this podcast this whole one percenter this whole outlaw even motorcycle clubs in general how they are today it started there Whenever these guys came back from the war and were told to be normal
1: again. So there, and there you have it, folks. I think, man, that was a perfect fucking ending to that. Dave, you got anything before we take off? No, that was good, Jimmy. Hit it on the head. He really did, man. So hey, it was it was a it was a pleasure sitting down and talking with y'all tonight. Um, and we hope that you guys are home listening or in your truck. You know, I, I feel like most people listen to us in the truck. Um. So if you're, you know, heading eastbound and down, listening to us ramble, we appreciate your love and support on this. Um, I think we got some pretty cool stuff lined up for you. Um, that's bullshit. We don't have anything lined up after this. We kind of slapped well, this one together last minute. I got ideas. <laughs> so Jim's got ideas. He's gonna make me uh get off my ass and get down to my office, get on my ass and have this. So, um. But yeah, we appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time, guys.